Not internet people. <laughs> I'm, d- I'm doing the crowd. I'm doing the crowd. Oh. <laughs> Take two. Hey, out there, podcast people. How you doing tonight? I'm, all right, I'm, that's I'm all. That's crowd. all. <laughs> We're gonna get it hotter than hell in here tonight. Yeah, right, that's not really Gene coming <laughs> in with. Not... <laughs> <laughs> it's not a very good Paul Stanley. I apologize for that, but I tried. I gave it my best shot. Hello and welcome to Cranked and Ranked. Um, I... <laughs> that is not the best <laughs> opening. I. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's the... I'm just gonna keep this. This is gonna be the intro. Everyone's just gonna have to deal with it because this this we're 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 doing it live, folks. Well, not really. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so sorry, cranked and ranked is this podcast. Um, if you're listening to this, you probably already know a little bit about us because why would you be listening to kiss ranked part two? You should be starting with part one. So I'm not even going to bother with the introductions except for me, Steven old head with me, Eddie Sparks. Hello, sir. Hi. (laughs) I like that (laughs) to the point. Um, so yes, so this is part two of our kiss album ranking where it's two part two of three because they got a lot of albums and like i said last time we're doing all the studio albums no live albums um that still equals 24 albums of ranking and today we're going to be ranking the midsection uh from number 16 down to number nine and for me maybe there's really only one album that i might have a little bit of shit talking uh to do because uh, the last episode, I did, I did pick on Kiss quite a bit, which <laughs> it's easy to do. I feel like if you're a genuine Kiss fan, you understand the silliness of it all sometimes. Yeah. Some of it is really badass, but some of it is like, come on. <laughs> you know, and you just roll with it. There um, was a comment on the previous one um, that said something along the lines. I actually responded to it, and I, did, I didn't know I wasn't the only person that thought this. Kiss is kind of like the Star Wars of music. Like yeah. they have this like over the top universe that they've created, and uh, you know they've they've made a lot of uh, a lot of great moves and a lot of kind of questionable ones too. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense because if you consider yourself a, a a diehard Star Wars fan, then you have to be okay with the Phantom Menace. Yeah, and so. <laughs> That's kind of like Kiss. It's like, I am a huge Kiss fan. I'm perfectly fine with Carnival of Souls. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it's the, that's the Phantom Menace of the Kiss discography, which we talked about on the last episode. Anyway, so um, let's just jump right into it because um, I have a feeling not only are we going to be, you know, yucking it up as usual with these albums, but probably at this point from here on out, uh, doing a lot of singing. Because, I mean, yeah. <laughs> if there's one thing I can say about Kiss, they got a shitload of of memorable hooks uh, in uh, most of their music. So uh, let's just jump right into it. As usual, I'm going to let Eddie uh, take the lead here, and let's start off with your number 16. Um, although last time you did talk about how you may need to switch a couple around. Is that 
Is that uh, the case here? Yeah. Cons- considering last time my list wasn't 100% finished, admittedly. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to swap my number 16 pick with the number 17 pick of last time. I've decided that uh, Dress to Kill is mm-hmm. better than Hot in the Shade. Okay, okay. So we're talking about Hot in the Shade, even yeah. though it is now your 17. Yeah. But you're now, but your number 16 is actually uh, Dress to Kill. Dress okay. to Kill. I, I uh, had so to we, bring it up one episode. <laughs> okay. So I think if you want to go, go jump, why don't we, why don't you start off by talking about why you, th- why Dress to Kill made it up one notch? Mainly because I have a good time with, um, hot in the shade but it's not very memorable and it's got a lot of filler in in my opinion it's long it's a Mm. long album for albums that are for songs sorry that are pretty much um polished demos because to get like more of a raw sound they i'm pretty sure most of them are just polished up demos I think they that's they, that's what I read too. And I think it was also yeah. to save a little bit of money because I think at that point Kiss wasn't necessarily raking in the dough the way that they had been in the past. Yeah. And you know, kind of with that, I know it was a I know it was a response to um how glossy the previous album, which Crazy Nights. Mm-hmm. This one has a harder edge, but it's also it's kind of like I I would probably call it the hotter than hell of their 80s output where the production is kind of strange for Mm -hmm. the style that they're doing um but yeah in contrast to hotter than hell the tracks on hot in the shade while in a style i enjoy they're not nearly as memorable as the rest of their output from this kind of era yeah so so really for you you just found that dress to kill is a more enjoyable album than hot in the shade yeah pretty much all round um yeah and it wasn't. Yeah, I know that there are comments that said that said, "How could you put Dress to Kill all the way down there?" Well, I'm only not, I'm only up in it one one place, but I do I do think this one belongs beneath it. But okay, uh, well then let's let's jump into Hot in the Shade then. Let's 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 do your your normal track by track because we haven't talked about Hot in the Shade yet. Um, so uh, let's do it. Cool. So, starting off with Rise to It, um, Cinderella is is that you? you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, this album has a has a more stripped back sound. You know, in contrast to the um, glossy Crazy Nights album that preceded it. Especially considering that you know these tracks are the like original demos that were polished up for the release of the album. You get Betrayed, a kind of pounding eighties hard rock number. Hide Your Heart is like catchy with some nice vocalizing do 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 kind of hold stuff on, in there oh on, he's gonna do on. it that right there though those three songs in a row on this album rise to it betrayed hide your heart that is a great opening for an album for me it's a strong start yeah, yeah. i i agree it does have a strong start but um it does tend to to get a bit wearing as as the album goes on with the amount of tracks on it um where am i up to prisoner of love taps directly into my love of cliche 80s rock lyrics <laughs> um 
read my body. You know, love it. It's this kind of like rappy strip riff fest. I, l- I love that title, Read My Body. Hell yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a Taylor Dane song or something. <laughs> yeah, you get... Um, or Samantha Fox. There oh, you go. That's a touch good... Touch me. That's, touch yeah. me. I want to feel your body. <laughs> that was a good pull. I like that. Oh, man. We'll have to do like 80s babes at some point. <laughs> um, yeah, we got Love's a Slap in the Face. You know, some there's a lot of vocalizing on this album. And by that, I mean a lot of do, 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 na, 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 hey, hey, hey kind of things going the on. The kind of shit that I was complaining about last time <laughs> yeah. with Burn, Bitch, Burn. <laughs> It's the classic 80s cop-out. If, if, if you don't have lyrics, just whoa, 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 you're way out of it. You know, and that's the weird thing. It's a weird, it's a weird um, tightrope act because sometimes na na nas and and whoa woes and stuff like make a song really great, and other song other times it just sounds like you're a lazy fuck when you're yeah. writing the song. I feel like it it becomes a problem when it's in most of the songs. <laughs> <laughs> True that, <laughs> and and there's a lot here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, like I say, it can be seen as a cop-out sometimes, but it's also 80s hair metal. So, you know, I'm not expecting depth here. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I'm just and looking... this is up at, And this is 89, correct, when this came out? Yeah, so this is oh, yeah. full-on the end of the 80s. But, I mean, in 89, that shit was still going strong. Oh, I for mean, sure. you had some, some band, like, you know, I think Warrant's first album came out in 89. Like, it was, yeah. you know, and that was popular as fuck. So, like, they were... That kind of music was at the height of its popularity, even though I guess some people could say that it had already burned out with a lot of people. But I think when it comes to the average music MTV listener, I think it was still going very strong at this point. Hell, I think personally some of the best um, quote-unquote 80s metal actually came out in like the first few years in the 90s, you know? There's There's some great shit there, yeah. There's definitely from like 89 to 92, there's this like final wave of, of bands and there's some great stuff if you dig deep down there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Forever. Yeah, I love this song. I'm a, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a real softy deep down, so I like a good power ballad, especially. It, it, and that stands up with some of the best power ballads ever for me. Like it's oh, for just, sure. It's one of those, you know, when it when it's when the song starts. If you're in the mood for a power ballad, when that starts, you're like, oh yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> this feels nice. And I love the, especially that Michael Bolton was involved in the writing process. Hell of it. yeah, you know what? I'm a Michael Bolton fan. I celebrate the man's entire catalog. Hell yeah. Sorry, that was from Office Office Space. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how am I supposed to live without you? Man, he pulled that was a who who would have thought we would end up singing a Michael Bolton song on this episode? <laughs> I guess it makes sense. Uh, we've got um, Silver Spoon. Silver Spoon gave me eighties heart vibes at points in kind yeah. of the guitars, and then. You know, you've also got like female vocals at the end, and it sounds like a vixen song, which is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> you got um, Cadillac Dreams is this standard '80s rock driving. We're only track. halfway through this album. Yeah, this is the halfway <laughs> it's too, point. It's too long. Yeah, for sure. Like it was at this point, I started. It kind of peaks with Forever, and then starts coming back down again. Yeah. And um, yeah, Cadillac Dreams. This is just 
standard 80s rock driving track. Good fun in the moment, but it's, it's not very memorable. But it is worth mentioning that it is one of many late 80s and early 90s glam tracks that features a horn section. And yeah. for some reason, like in the late 80s and early 90s, everybody was like, oh, shit, we need horns, you know? <laughs> And, and, well, um, I mean, it, be, yeah, it became like the, these groups were adding not only horns, but also female backup singers was a yeah. thing. And I guess it just fleshes out your sound. But it, I mean, horns became a really big fad in the 80s where even artists that didn't need horns would have them in their live show. Like I have a live album uh, of Tom Petty's from the 80s and yeah. he has a fucking horn section and it sounds so out of place and he's all like <laughs> American girl and they're all like burr, 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 burr. And I'm just like okay <laughs> this is this is a little much damn even yeah. even even the great the late great Tom Petty fell victim to that trend <laughs> I think the best example of horn sections in this kind of music was um get the funk out by extreme oh, that's yeah. such a good one but uh we're talking about Kiss. I'm going to re- reel yes. it back in. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to Extreme at some point. Hell yeah. It, you get King of Hearts. This Again, it's kind of a standard 80s hard rock kind of thing. It's not really standing out. Uh, the street giveth and the street taketh away. <laughs> <laughs> I love that title. It's got a good time feeling, a good chorus, and a killer title. You know, it, And you love me to hate you. Now, while... I'm a big fan of this style of music, and the chorus is something taken straight from the Eddie Sparks How to Make Excellent 80s Hard Rock Handbook. This album at this point is long. Co- uh, co- coming out next summer in uh, book, book and audiobook form. <laughs> oh, shit. I need to get... I, I, <laughs> damn it, you've advertised it now. I need to make it. <laughs> damn, but yeah, the, you know, that coupled with the production, you know... It, it does get a little fatiguing. Well, quite, you know, very fatiguing by this point. What, like, how many tracks in are we? Like, this uh, could have... 12? Yeah. You know, the album could have ended, like, two tracks ago. And yeah, at this point in the album, every time I've listened to it, I, it starts to become background music. It's really hard to stay engaged with this record. Yeah. In, in actual fact, I kind of... I actually kind of listened to it in two sittings. I did side A and then side B because... Mm-hmm. By the end of the first side, I was kind of like, I want to give this a fair shot. And, <laughs> you know, I'm going to come back to it with my criticisms, but I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not just crapping on its runtime the whole way. But, um, yeah, you, you get somewhere between heaven and hell. It's just peddling that bass straight through this Gene led rocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we get to Little Caesar, which has uh, Eric Carr on vocals, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and it's a strip riff too that gains it points uh, <laughs> and then finally you get Boomerang which to its credit is a shreddy ripping and roaring track and a good way to end an album but you know overall this this album could have been like five tracks shorter easily yeah, yeah it's um, biggest drawback is that it's bloated yeah bloated and kind of underproduced in my opinion for the for the style yeah, the production doesn't bother me as much. Um, but um, so if you had stuck with your original ranking, we would be matching up here at the beginning of this episode, but we're not because <laughs> you you had Hot in the Shade as number 17 now, and I have Hot in the Shade as number 16. So we're kind of matching, but we're not because we're just talking about it one after the other. 
I'd count it. it, it it's like as long as it's like what is it's, it's one place. <laughs> if you're keeping score at home, you get a half point. Yeah. For that. Um, so hold on, I'm looking at my notes. I have all these notes. Hot in the shade. So 1989, this album comes out, and um, uh, important to note, this is the last full album with Eric Carr. Uh, on drums, rest in peace. Because um, rest in peace, he would end up dying of of cancer of or something. Yeah, he had a tumor or some something. Uh, it was a, a head, brain. I was gonna say head tumor. Fuck, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I think it was on his heart. I think it was. A, oh shit, really? Yeah, oh, it was on his heart. Anyway, yeah. um, so um, but he's you know he was a great drummer, and this is his last full album. Um, I, I you I do hear a little bit of a of a step back production wise from crazy nights not only with the glossy production but also just the songwriting um they tried to be a little more rocking with this album yeah um and um honestly like the singles off of this where i think the singles were just rise to it and hide your heart and forever um three very strong singles in my opinion the funny thing about about the funny thing about hide your heart is um it was uh, originally a Bonnie Tyler song. Wow. And but if if what I read about it was correct, it was written by Paul Stanley along with uh I think Desmond Child. And then instead of Kiss doing it, they gave it to her to Bonnie Tyler, and then Kiss decided to do it. And then I think maybe the same year Ace Frehley did it on his album called Trouble Walkin'. No way. So, which makes no sense because I'm like, Ace Frehley wasn't even involved in the writing of this song, <laughs> but he decided to also do Hide Your Heart. And so if, you ever, you know, if you're ever bored and you want to hear three different versions of Hide Your Heart, just look all those up because they're out there for you to listen to. And, um, but I, I like the Kiss version. I think Kiss pretty much nailed it. Um, and then... Um, the big thing with this album for me, we already talked about it, is that it's bloated and there's, I, 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 if I feel like while the, none of the songs are bad, in my opinion, some of it just feels a little more like filler than other ones do. Like, almost like they had all these songs and they demoed all these songs. So they said, well, fuck it. Since we're just going to go with the rough versions and we're going to polish them, let's just throw every song we have on there instead of, I guess what would have normally happened, which is you demo 15 tracks and then you pare it down to the best 10 and do studio quality versions of them. Yeah. But um, I guess if you have it, put it out there. I mean, that's another one of those things. I I feel like if you're a crazy uh, fanatical Kiss fan, you probably want there to be 15 song Kiss albums. And so um, I'm not going to fault them for that, really. But I really do think they could have left a few off. But overall, I would say this is a really... It's a solid album. They still got, you know, co-writers everywhere all over this album, which is fine. Um, but just the quality of songs is not there for 100% of the album. There's too many tracks that I, um, like if they come up random, if I'm shuffling all of my music on Apple Music and, uh, you know, You Love Me to Hate You comes up, I'm probably going to skip it and move on to a different song. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I think it's a it's an album that, I like listening to it, but I mostly just like, like I said, I like the first three tracks a lot. I like Forever. It's an amazing ballad. So it's got a lot of strong points in my opinion. And it, I feel like for the 1980s story of Kiss, it's a nice way to wrap it up. Yeah. So um, 
That's why it didn't make the bottom half of my list. That's why it's right here. Dead last in the middle uh, at number, well, what was it, 16 we're at? Um, so, that's yeah, a, we don't need to a, talk. There's a song title in that, Dead Last in the Middle. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, that's my, uh, we don't need to talk anymore about Hot in the Shade. Let's go ahead and move on to your number 15. Okay, so this is one that you mentioned last episode. Okay. And uh, I've gone for... 1984's Animalize. All right. So upon listening to it and all of their other 80s output, I'm with you on the not as memorable as other albums. Uh, It just so happened to be more concise and better produced, to my ears at least, than Hot in the Shade. And that's what what bumped it up. Uh, But... I do like this album. We're we're in the territory of like to love, and uh, have been since um, since round about the last couple of on our previous episode. But uh, yeah, without further ado, I digress. Let's just go straight into it. I've got uh, I've had enough. Into the fire is a full on. <laughs> it's a it's a full on eighties metal track. That is to me, you know. Aussie or Dio could have done that. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just has that eighties metal sound. Um, heaven's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it, it's eighties big hair arena poodle rock at its finest. Uh, yeah. burn bitch burn is the type of song you drag race to the kind of the kickstart my heart of the album. But uh, I, <laughs> with with some woos, yeah, some ooh, 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 <laughs> going on. Um, get all you can take. It's it, again, it's fun, full on hair metal. At, at this point, it's a totally different band. You know, there's still kind of traces on it on like Creatures of the Night. You know, it was still still in their makeup era and whatnot. But by this point, especially following Lick It Up, they'd gone full blown into this completely different sound um Mm -hmm. lonely the hunter keeps that fun vibe going on under the gun if i had a quid for every 80s metal song called under the gun it'd be filthy fucking rich um (laughs) yes it's one of those titles where it's like every band had a song called that it's the same as our in the night um analogy from last episode you know yeah all you had to do, or the um, the classic something in high heels, <laughs> <laughs> which we have here too. <laughs> oh man! Uh, like I said, thrills in the night. It, it's an interesting one. It has all the elements of eighties glam that I love, but the lack of a snare in the chorus is one of the most interesting sonic choices I think I've heard from a band from this era. Because yeah. because he's just like in the chorus eric Carr is not playing a snare drum in that and it feels quite tribal in a way it's kind of like it kind of fits with the kind of raw animal energy of this of this whole thing um while the city sleeps uh powerful 80s metal goodness and then you finally get murder in high heels which is no surprise to me that it's a fucking strip riff you know it's (laughs) And it overall, it's a fun album, but again, not nearly as memorable as some of their other 80s work. And so that is yeah. 
that is my take on Animal Eyes. Cool. Yeah. I, I, I like this, the way that the things like this go, because I feel like you say some positive things about these albums that I don't, that I think are important. Like you point out some things and I'm like, yeah, he's got a point. So I really do think that between the two of us, we, we give these albums the respect they deserve. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm going to go back uh, for my number 15 and talk about an album that we talked about last time. Um, my number 15 is Music from the Elder. Hey. From uh, 1981? Yeah, 1981. Yeah. So I do have to say right off the bat, I love this album. So we're now at a, at a, in a territory where I love all the rest of the albums that I'm going to be talking about. Um, Music from the Elder, I enjoy it so much, I can't even explain it to you. Um, it's the first album with Eric Carr. Um, on drums and um, it's I, I understand why people hate on this album it, it it makes sense to me but that does not stop me from enjoying it and so I, I guess maybe the way that I enjoy this album is the same way that I enjoy um, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park yeah there's like a there's like an unintentional cheesiness so I guess for Kiss, this isn't what they intended. <laughs> I, I don't am just a boy. <laughs> it's yes. so good. <laughs> it is. So I don't I don't think they intended it to be campy, but it is, and I love that. So <laughs> whatever however they feel about that, it doesn't matter what their intentions were. It, it the way it translates to me is utter enjoyableness in an album. Um and I do like I said last time, I believe we talked about like Carnival of Souls and how that feels like a band desperate and trying to do something different to maintain relevance or popularity. In the case of this, there is a little bit of that, but I feel like this feels more like something Kiss would do because yeah. Kiss had already tried to do a movie that had already done four solo albums and live albums that it felt natural that they should do some sort of a concept album because they're already a huge fucking production to begin with. So why not do an album that's like a little movie or you know, a rock opera, if you will? So it doesn't bother me. It doesn't feel like they're just grasping for whatever trend they can grab in order to you know keep themselves relevant. It just seems like they just tried something completely different and unfortunately for them, it didn't work. But I also think I said this last time, if some other band had made this album, I think people would be talking about it in a much um, kinder light. Yeah. So I don't really have a lot more to add because we talked a lot about this album last time. But um, if you don't know music from The Elder, if you're not a big Kiss fan, this might be an album that you enjoy because it's it's very not Kiss. Um, but if, if you just love that sort of the sort of late seventies, early eighties oddities that exist. Yeah. And because everyone was on a lot of cocaine, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just, then you're going to, going to enjoy, uh, music from the elder. And so, um, but unfortunately we are ranking kisses discography, which has a whole lot of really enjoyable or just completely badass albums. So even though I love music from the elder, it's still, um, has to be here at number 15 in the mid section. So um, there you go. Right on. I will say upon, um, since our last episode, 
I have grown an appreciation for that album. I'm still I'm still going to stick to my ranking on that one, mm-hmm. but there is it. I agree. There is a certain campiness to it that it it's a different mood, but it is it is cool to hear him do something like that. Yeah, and on, and honestly, even though they're ranked higher, if you're listening in order and you listen to dynasty followed by unmasked and then you get here yeah. it's kind of it's kind of a breath of fresh air really yeah um so yeah i it's i i could i could talk we could do a whole podcast on music from the elder because i just think it's the the whole story of it is fascinating and the reception behind it and and the and then the the legacy of the album it's just um it's just an interesting album overall for me I find that some of the most polarizing albums are often the most interesting because it's like, you know, sure, I could I could I could watch this documentary about, you know, Master of Puppets, but I know everything about Master of Puppets because it's been talked about so many times and I'm a massive Metallica fan. But, you know, that's what made Saint Anger or um some kind of monster so interesting to watch because it was such a shit show but yeah i I remember i went to go see some kind of monster in the theater and i didn't like saint anger at the time i was just but i was so fascinated by it i'm like they did a fucking documentary about this i'm going yeah and and then you know of course it's one of my favorite documentaries ever made that's the thing i'm thankful for saint anger existing just so that we could get some kind of monster yeah like if that had to exist as a vehicle for that masterpiece to exist <laughs> with some of the most quotable lines of any documentary ever, we, I feel like we're going to, we're talking about kiss and we're, we, how do we always end up on Metallica? We Cause they be, left be, the fucking band. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to, we're getting back on the, on the kiss highway on the hell. Yeah. On the highway to, I was gonna say highway to hell, but that's ACDC. Never mind. <laughs> It's the highway to Tangent City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> cool. So for my number 14, I've got here Revenge from 1992. Whoa. Now, I expected this to be a little bit higher up in your list, but okay, this is this is cool. That's the thing. So did I. You know, approach, <laughs> approaching this. Now, we're in f- full-on love territory now. Yeah, I love... Yeah. I love everything here on in. So this is the beginning of 14 albums that I would get an almost equal amount of enjoyment out of, depending on my mood. Revenge, unfortunately, had to take a backseat a little bit and kind of sits kind of halfway down the ranking. So, um, yeah. I will say Unholy is probably one of my top 10 Kiss songs. Yeah. Because that is a killer song. Um, like a serious return to form. Co-written it, by Vinnie Vincent. Yeah. It, it, aren't, there's like three songs on here co-written by Vinnie Vincent, aren't I believe, I believe so. So it's interesting that they had a falling out and then he came back into the fold, albeit as a co-writer. Yeah. Yeah. Like his tenure with the band is a weird one. And I'm sure we'll, 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 <laughs> his his career is a weird one. <laughs> yeah, like we'll, we'll we'll get to it, but um, we'll probably talk about it on like Lick It Up or Creatures of the Night. But yeah. Um, yeah, you know, Unholy is the is the heaviest and hardest song they'd done at this point. And if you exclude 
uh, Carnival of Souls. I think it is the heaviest Kiss song, you know? I think I think it's it's probably the thing that made this album um because I believe that was the first single released from this album. Oh, I guess they did God Gave Rock and Roll to You prior yeah. to that. But I think everyone hearing Unholy, um, I think it it gave this album a boost where people were like, oh, oh, Kiss can still do some rockin' stuff. And so yeah. um, I feel like even starting the album off, it's a really smart move. For sure. And it, in a way, it it I kind of feel like this album kind of bookends the decade of the 80s metal era of Kiss. So yeah. kind of beginning with Creatures of the Night and then 10 years later in 1992, it's kind of come full circle where they did the really glossy thing, they stripped their sound back and we land back at the bare bones heavy metal sound. Yeah. And um, yeah, unholy killer way to open it. Take it off. This feels like Hot in the Shade with more effort put into it. And the bridge also has an extreme vibe to it in the vocals. I could yeah. definitely hear like kind of a Gary Sharon and Nuno Betancourt kind of thing going on in there. Um, tough Love, really groovy and catchy. Spit, snarling Gene track, badass. Yeah. God gave rock and roll to you. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a lighters in the air. I think every I know sometimes things can get rough, and I know sometimes life can be a drag. But people, <laughs> we have been given a gift. We have been given a road, and that road's name is rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I love, I love, I love <laughs> when he goes on those banter rants in songs. <clears throat> There's there's one on um, there's one on fucking lick it up as well. It, the whole song is just kind of. Are that. you talking about? I am cool. Yeah. I am the breeze. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get there. Hell yeah. Um, uh, then we get Domino. I've got a man-sized predicament. And it's a big one, or something like that. It I don't goes know how that it. like this. That's a yeah. that's that, that's the thing. Is it? Um, and Domino is a good example of this. I guess Spit's probably one too. The they sound so tight as a band on this album. Yeah, it's just. I mean, even the songs that are a little bit weaker songwriting wise. Just the overall vibe of the album. They just. It's like a reminder that these dudes were a kick ass band, and. So I don't know. I, I love that that aspect of this album. I feel like if you put you know Bon Scott or Brian Johnson over the top of this, it would just be an ACDC song, Domino. Yeah, and, I think that's and, what I was just doing. I literally just yeah. did an ACDC riff. For yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's fun though. It's, it's hard to argue with it when that when that riff really kicks in. You know, Gene doing his kind of talking low like this. Yeah. I think the riff is Hell yeah um, Oh that's a fun drinking game For this episode I've just realized I've probably said hell yeah About like 50 times I'm just in I'm in the hell yeah zone <laughs> I, think you, I think you say hell yeah All the time I think yeah. that's If I if I was going to put something On your tombstone It would just say Hell yeah lies Eddie Sparks Hell yeah And <laughs> <laughs> my mind would say Here lies old head So yeah There you go <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to have that on my headstone easily. <laughs> Hell yeah. 
It's just, it's just going to be like a, the horns coming out of the ground and it's going to say, hell yeah. <laughs> you got to be careful. They're going to think you're a fan of the band, hell yeah. And uh, nobody it's, wants that. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> just playing. <laughs> throwing shade. We're throwing shade over here. Um, but yeah, I've got Heart of Chrome. Great song. Thou Shalt Not. You know, Gene, there's a lot of great Gene moments on this album. Yeah. Um, you know, tearing it up once more. You know, uh, every time every I look, time I look oh, at you, you know, e- even if you, d- <laughs> even if you do have like a harder album, you gotta have a ballad in there because you gotta get the chicks, dude. You need a ballad. Also, Def- also, it's just a little bit of, of of you just you chill for a minute. Yeah, like you know, like like I almost feel like that's what Slayer was doing wrong all their career is that there should have been a ballad in the middle of Rain and Blood and it would made it I would have loved the album even more if it would just been like all these really fast crazy songs in the middle it's just like and then we'll let's stop for a minute and talk about love and I'd just be like hell yeah man it I, just makes all the other parts seem heavier and fu- it's just like oh my god <laughs> this, this album's massive I think you've given me an idea I'm going to set aside some time this year and I'm going to write 9 really heavy songs okay. and then just throw the sappiest Beth style love ballad right in the fucking middle that has no good reason to be there <laughs> <laughs> the whole album's just a really elaborate troll but you um, know, the, the, the audience for that would be pretty limited but I would be in that audience <laughs> oh hell yeah oh there it is again it's, it's becoming like a, a Tourette's like twitch I'm probably gonna have to see someone about it there's those human qualities that we can't do anything about we just yeah. have to embrace them and move on because you know <laughs> for some reason i remember i remember when uh, uh, this had to have been like 10 years ago maybe and i remember um i, I at, at the job that i had i was constantly walking around and talking to my boss and getting orders and stuff and for some reason, I would be talking to him about something, and I was constantly pointing with my pinky. I'd be like, here's what's going on with this. And then the other thing I noticed I would do is that he would tell me to do something, and I'd be like, all righty, and I'd walk off. And I was like, why do I say all righty all the fucking time? So there's light at the end of the tunnel because I no longer point with my pinky and say all righty. So you just got to give yourself 10 years, and then you will move on <laughs> to, to, to another catchphrase. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I suppose it's more applicable than just saying later, dude, to everything. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's true. But, you know, later, dude, who, who would have thought that something so simple would be the, uh, the ending that we need from, for every episode? Definitely. It's just, just, it just simple things like that, you know, short but sweet, nice and effective. Yeah, agreed. Sounded like one of those brackets songs. It's like short and sweet. <laughs> Very effective. <laughs> you got to do that too. When you, uh, when you do, one of your song titles has to be that. Or, just, but do it, do it backwards like Kiss did, where the song title is actually called "Very Effective," and then, and then the parentheses is short and sweet. Uh, um, I just wanna, you know, I, that's that's a great. I got a body bit for. Oh, I can't sing that. Why am I even trying? I was, you know, I was, I was thinking to myself, <laughs> it sounds the vocal melody is pretty much summertime blues. If you oh, listen yeah, to it, yeah, it's it pretty much exactly the same melody. But I, I don't care. It's a cool melody. <laughs> and then um, finally, we get uh, Car Jam 
from 1981, which yep. is a touching addition as a tribute to the late Eric Carr, who sadly passed away from cancer before the release of this record. Um, and I think it was his audition tape. Was it? It may have been. Um, a an interesting tidbit, if you didn't know, though the the riff and everything from Car Jam actually ended up on a Fraley's Comet song on the yeah. first Fraley's Comet album, which was forty five years before this. Um, yeah. So um, so maybe it was an early Eric Carr thing. Um, so that's you know interesting. I, I like that they put it on here, um, just as a little tribute because I think the only. I think he plays on God Gave Rock and Roll to You Too, but he also does vocals on that as well. Yeah. But I think that the rest of the drumming is Eric, uh, Eric, uh, uh, what's, what's his name? Eric Singer. Yeah. The other Eric. <laughs> Ironically Eric, called uh, Singer, not, and he's the drummer. He's the drummer. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got Paul Drummer on, on guitar and vocals. <laughs> All right, anyway, that was, that was the dumbest joke <laughs> I've ever done. Uh, All right, where were we? Where, uh, oh, you just finished up Revenge. Anything yeah. else to say about Revenge? Um, it's it's the beginning of the love section of my ranking, basically. Everything mm-hmm. here on in is pretty much consistently enjoyable across the board, in my opinion. Awesome. For my number 14, we're actually going to take it back, not as far as I was before, but we're going to take it back to the beginning of my relationship with Kiss, which if, if you uh, remembered last time when I talked about it, the first Kiss album that I ever heard was Crazy Nights hey. from 1987. And um, I, it's weird that this is the first Kiss album I heard because some people would probably consider this the worst Kiss album, but I... They're wrong. I re- <laughs> I know, I know. I I really like it. And you made a really good point last time where you were talking about how Crazy Nights almost feels like it's an 80s montage soundtrack yeah. y- that you could have put to any 80s movie. And I think that's what makes it so great is that it's, it is unflinchingly 80s in yeah. every aspect possible. The production is like super glossy, it's got these real hard on sleeve cheese ball choruses and vocals. And it's just the best way to put it is it is just 80s pop rock via kiss. Yeah. And it's uh, and it's a Paul Stanley heavy album, um, which from from what uh, what we've read about it, um, it was because Gene Simmons was busy doing other things like movies and so Paul Stanley did uh, a whole bunch of songwriting. And um, honestly, that's what I like about this album, because I honestly feel that this vocally is Paul Stanley's best album. Yeah. I love how he sounds on this. He really shows off how great of a singer he is, which I like that. But I feel like this period, it may have been this tour or maybe a tour prior to this, where the fact that Paul St- Stanley is a good singer led to one of my least favorite things that Kiss ever did in their live shows. And that was, in between two songs, Paul Stanley would talk to the crowd and he would do this. Repeat after me! Yeah. 
and I'd just be like, oh my God, no, don't do that again. <laughs> and I think it's because he felt such confidence as a vocalist, as he should have. But it was so, like, maybe if I was in the crowd, it would be different. But watching it as a recorded, you know, uh, concert, I'm just like, because it goes on for a long time. Yeah. He doesn't do just one. He does like 12. And one of them just starts like, well, and by the end, he's like, and everyone in the crowd. And I'm just like, I'm sorry that I made those noises, people. You did, you did not sign up for that. I, <laughs> Paul Stanley sounds way better than that. I'm going to give him that. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's, it's, it's things like this album where he was really, he really got to show off how good of a singer he was. Um, and on top of that, when it comes to Crazy Nights, if you didn't already know, Bruce Kulick is a fucking shredder. Oh, yeah. Um, dude ruled on guitar. Well, rules on guitar. I don't know why he uh, didn't come back into the fold with Kiss. I don't, it, I, I, I don't, I, I'm sure there are reasons, but um, he's a great guitar player. And overall, this is just a super fun album, even though it has some of the cheesiest Kiss songs ever. I think in the same way that I talk about music for the elder from the elder, um, th that's what I enjoy about this. Cause you got, um, I think the song my way may be the cheesiest kiss song in existence. Yeah. Just the, I'm going to talk like I talk, walk like I walk. It's, it's very, it's, it's very, it, it sounds like, like you said, it's, it's a, a rock music made for an eighties, you know, coming of age film. Yeah. And uh, that's what it is. And then, um, honestly, there are, you know, still co-writers all over this album, but in this particular case, even though there are some songs where there's iffiness in the songwriting, and then we've got your favorite thing where song number 10 is turn on the night and song number 11 is thief in the night. <laughs> um, I really do think that overall this is when it comes to the glossy, 80s era of Kiss. This is the most solid album that they did. I really yeah. do think that as an album, if you're if you're into it at song number one, you will still be into it at song number eleven. It is, it's just super fun. And I guess maybe also in hindsight, because everyone enjoys the cheesiness of the 80s, and so this album gained that quality. Whereas I think. If I was, you know, like in high school or, or 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 older when it came out, I might have talked a lot of shit about this album. But the fact that I heard it when I was nine, you know, I I thought it was pretty cool. And um, I also really, for some reason, really like the album cover. Yeah, I do too. That kind of Just broken the, mirror kind of thing. Yeah, broken mirror. I don't know something about it. it. It it's a it you can and you can flip it around and and look at it in different and it's always the same the right way up because it's got the kiss and the and the name in each corner. I love anyway. the, I love the back where Paul Stanley is just showing off his rug of chest hair. And like, and and that he's wearing a g-string, yeah, <laughs> or something like that. He's like, or a, th a thong, I guess, would be more appropriate. What he's wearing, and it's literally a picture of him saying, "Like, look at all my chest hair." And if you didn't think I was already sexy, I'm also wearing a thong. <laughs> it's like so, it, I, I love all of those. Like, it, it's it's almost like a totally straight big dick energy move but it's also like <laughs> like 
done in a very flamboyant way. It's the same as that like Kiss Exposed interview where he's just laying on that bed surrounded yeah. by women looking at him with total adoration. To be completely honest, that phrase, you, if you really want to take Kiss's catalog and just put an all-encompassing phrase over it, you could just say big dick energy. Because yeah. I think it, it's, it's literally from album one all the way through the end, even though now they're, they're big old dicks. But, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's still there. Um, it's never gone away. It so ain't anyway. mileage, it's experience. <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I got nothing bad to say about this album, but I guess like music from The Elder, if somebody said this album was, was really bad, I'd be like, yeah, I guess, depending on what you're looking for. But um, when it comes to this era, I think this is pretty, it's a quintessential 80s rock album, in my opinion. As a lover of all things eighties cheese, this it's it's a it's a it's a it's a high it's a high ranker for me. I won't give away where, but yeah, it, I have a feeling we won't it, talk about it on this episode. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's safe to assume it's pretty high. But um, well, yeah, well there you go. That's yeah. my number fourteen. <laughs> Crazy nights. Apologies to all the seventies uh, purists. <laughs> my placing. Hey, they, you my, know what? The, <laughs> I, I think I think we're gonna make everybody happy, which is really yeah. what we're what we're aiming to do. We want everybody to enjoy themselves here. For sure. Uh so my number thirteen, mm-hmm. my number thirteen, I've gone for Hotter Than Hell. All right. So this nineteen seventy four. Yeah, like one the the second album, yeah. The the second one. Yeah. Not only their not only their second album, but their second album in one year. Yeah, man. Like Kiss were a powerhouse for putting albums out because mm-hmm. I think they put out at least at least one album every year, doubling up and even doing four solo albums one year, consistently up until about like the mid eighties, and then yeah. it became like every two years, and, and then. And- for, for the 70s, you could say, in, in early 80s, you could say that that was a necessity. Like, I, I'm pretty sure the record label hounded them to do more shit. Oh, but yeah. we, t- we talked about this, I think, when we talked about the Judas Priest discography, where I think sometimes that pressure and that momentum helps bands create really great albums. Yeah. And, and so whether or not albums are rushed, that's the worst thing I ever... When people comment on albums like, that album was clearly rushed, I'm like, why? It's good. When yeah, you, you you read an article where they talked about how it was rushed, and so you're taking that on as as some sort of negative. I mean, it it doesn't matter. You can there are bands that spend ten years making albums and they fucking suck. So <laughs> so get out of my face with that shit. All right, yeah, Eddie, go ahead. Okay, right on. <laughs> um, so you know this album's production is oft, often talked about, and it, I like the way it sounds. Some call it muddy. I just think it sounds meaty. The only, my only criticism is the snare drum. The snare drum yes, can get. I, I'm 100% with you. The snare drum is the only thing that, you know, depending what I'm listening to it on, it can sound pretty piercing. If I can listen to it on something that I can kind of change the EQ a little bit on, like a big ass stereo, fine yeah. with it. Headphones. It, always, it yeah. always made me think of somebody took a snare drum and instead of using a drumstick, they're yeah. hitting it with a dildo. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Something. It has it has a very like like fleshy yeah. <laughs> sort of sound. It's just very weird. But it's but they weren't the only band. There's other albums from this era that have 
weird snare sounds and i don't yeah. know what they were going for necessarily which is interesting because other albums from this era sound fucking amazing but once again i guess this was rushed the the album before it sounded like way clearer like strangely yeah, yeah. um you know it, it's probably a good thing that their first album didn't sound like this because <laughs> you know it might have i think some people a... think this album's better than the first album so i mean like for, it doesn't matter from a heaviness point of view i totally agree because it, it mm-hmm. if it does have a little bit more in common with like the likes of black sabbath guitar tone wise and things like that which you know was also big around the early 70s um but you know got to choose is is a slow plodding opener it's not as strong mm-hmm. an opener as strutter in my opinion but still no. a damn oh, oh we have we have a do, do you disagree no, I was saying oh, okay. I, I was agreeing with you that Strutter is a way better opening song than Got to Choose. Uh, I was, was going to say, yeah, yes, like Got to Choose is fun, but Parasite, on the other hand, is a fantastic. That song. That should have started the album. Imagine that you put the needle down. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, it's such a fantastic song, such a great riff and chorus, like Parasite, baby. Parasite, ooh, it's so cool. Like <laughs> uh, going, going blind is a ballad, but it's kind of a dark sounding ballad. It's it doesn't yeah. have like it's it's not like a, a reason to live uplifting kind of thing. It's quite it's quite dark and mysterious sounding. I mean, um, I mean, I mean. To be fair, it's it's another Gene Simmons song about him wanting to date an underage girl, but still, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> But at least, um, at least he, at least he, he had the, the forethought or foresight, one of those words, um, to to keep that line in the song where he says, I'm 93 and you're 16. So I'm like, okay, he's, he's exaggerating it a bit. So it doesn't make it quite as, as weird. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's not full on creepy gene. It's just a little taste. (laughs) Yeah, Christine 16 is a whole other level of that. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, well, we will. Yeah, we've got um, Hotter Than Hell, an- anthem, mm-hmm. anthem of a song. The The bridge yeah. riff is also fucking phenomenal. Yeah, um, great song. Let Me Go Rock and Roll is another killer tune. All mm-hmm. the Way is catchy as hell. Watching You is this heavy bluiser. You know, Love Me Some of That. You know, there's a, there's a Hendrix swagger to this one yeah um mainline peter chris fronted yeah. rocker um it's good it, this is a good fun album it's it's just um i feel like the production i, I docked it a little bit just for that snare sound because it, it yeah it, yeah it tends to get pretty fatiguing if if you don't have like the right audio set up because mm. it that constant like tech kind of there right in the center of the mix kind of lobotomizes you after a while (laughs) you know um but then um where am i coming home fun happy sounding track and uh strange ways a heavy that's another another ace fraley riff right there man it's so good gene simmons like on these heavy tracks it's it's a great way to close it out um so yeah that is that is my number 13. It's uh, Hotter Than Hell. It's got some killer tunes on it. And I think, to be honest, t- to me, the more definitive versions of some of these songs are on Alive. But... Okay, yeah, I could see that. But, you know, this album still deserves its respect. And I think, you know, 
like I say, with the right kind of mood and, and setup, the the snare bothers me less depending where I am. <laughs> but yeah. um I, I agree. Like it's it, just looking at song titles and thinking of songs, I'm like, yeah, this is it's stacked with great songs, but once you put it on, it's just there's something about the production just drags it down and it's unfortunate because it's yeah. it's way better an album than the production allows it to be. And I like the way the guitars sound. I think it's just the drums. I think it's that it's that one snare in the mix that just fucked it. Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but um hey ho, we still we got we got some great great music out of it. So Hell yeah. That's the important thing to remember. All right, so moving on to my number 13, I'm going to take it uh, from the 70s into the 80s. I don't know why I said it like that. It's because I'm, I'm hanging out with you too much. I say <laughs> 80s. You're just going to drop um, T all together in a minute. It's just going to be a non-existent letter. <laughs> hell yeah. I, I just love the way it sounds. It sounds, it, it, cause it, and that's, it's one of those things where I, where I feel, I understand how people can go and live in another country and start to adapt a little bit of the accent because when you're around people that talk that way, you find yourself accidentally saying things yeah. with either inflections or, or weird pronunciations or whatever. So, um, yeah, I have a feeling if I moved to England and give me, give me a month. And Wouldn't take be, long. <laughs> no, I'm going to be having a spot of tea and things like that. <laughs> so anyway, so number number 13 for me um is uh the the beginning of the makeupless era of Kiss Lick hey. It Up from 1983. Oh, it's on it right now, Lick yeah. It Up. <laughs> Hell yeah. And so first thing out of the gate I got to say about Lick It Up, this is a way better album than people treat it. Like it's oh. Yeah, I, I I think it gets some flack, I guess, because Lick It Up's kind of cheesy and and maybe I, I I think it's a a good example of getting to peek behind the curtain when you get to see Kiss without their makeup and you're like, oh no, can we go back to <laughs> we, we didn't need this. So I think there's there's a there's a little bit of that behind this, but as an album. So not only is there no makeup, you know, uh, album cover, like that's that's another one of my favorite Kiss album covers. It doesn't, it's just them standing there, but it's the first time you see them with no makeup on, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, and and also there's no co-writers on this album. Like, like yeah, I guess you them. could you could say you could say you know you know Vinnie Vincent comes on board, and so he's writing with them now, but he was a member of the band at this point, and yeah. so. The fact that all of a sudden, after four albums, I believe, maybe it was three, I don't know, where they had a whole lot of co-writing going on, they were able to just knock out these these ten badass songs just with themselves. And I think that, that that's a testament to how good this version of the band was. Um, Paul Stanley, yeah. Gene Simmons, Eric Carr, Vinnie Vincent. And so it's it's honestly pretty heavy. Like it's yeah. it's got some real heavy moments on it, and it's got some of my favorite Gene Simmons vocal moments because he starts to show off his range. Yeah, like he can sing pretty high and still sound pretty damn good. And then, really, I know I said before people think "Lick It Up" is a cheesy song. "Lick It Up" is a fucking classic. It is. It is, it is a it is a non skipper for me. Like "Lick It Up" is just just as fun today as it was the first time I heard it. 
I don't know how many years ago I heard look it up for the first time, but um, you know when I was when I was a kid. Um, and, and as then, far as uh, as far as I can remember, I think it's on the second GTA Vice City game. Oh, which, hey, there you which, go. We have to mention <laughs> Grand <laughs> Theft Auto. I mean Grand Theft Auto on. <laughs> Every episode of Cranked and Wrecked. Because it's in our contract, folks. We are getting paid millions by <laughs> who is it? Rockstar Games? Rockstar Games, yeah. Yeah, just so you know, we're 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 rolling in dough. I just bought a Porsche. Hell yeah. So um anyway. So so speaking of Porsches, Lick It Up is uh yeah, I love Lick It Up. And it was a big deal when it came out. Um, just like I said, because it was, you know, KISS coming out of their makeup, I guess, or whatever. And they, yeah. I guess they, I guess the first time they did it was on MTV. There's like a classic clip of them I watched doing it today. Oh yeah. They do a dissolve yeah. from the makeup version of them into the non-makeup version. And it is frightening. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's like, it's like weirdly like somber as well, because like you, you're seeing it happen and it's like, Oh, is, is Vinny <laughs> mad at me? You know, it's, it's like it's it's like seeing a, it's like seeing a photo of a parent like dressed up on like your birthday and it dissolves away and they're looking at you with their arms crossed. <laughs> You've done something to disappoint me, son. Like, <laughs> I think it's because they're like, we guys, we can't be all smiley and shit because we're going to look ridiculous. So ironically, Gene was the one cracking the cracking the humor out because he's quite he's quite serious in interviews yeah. and things but like he was the only one that did the like, ah, like tongue out yeah. thing but so um, so yeah. for, for for lick it up I, I like like i say with other albums i think i said it with crazy nights they, these are not all 100 killer songs there's a there's some weaker moments here but just like crazy nights it, it is a solid 10 song album where I enjoy all of it, even with its shortcomings, which I could name a few. I mean, on the eighth day is kind of a lame. It's like they they had a lyric and they couldn't quite have it fit into the stanza or whatever of the song. So it's like <laughs> on the eighth day, God created rock and roll. Like it's it yeah. just keeps going. Like oh, we have, we have to say rock and roll at the end of it. Where does it go? It just goes into the next part. Whatever. <laughs> So it always seemed to me like they had the title and the chorus before they wrote the song, and they're like, just make it fit in there somehow. <laughs> and it's also a, that's also a really cheesy, like, on the, eight, okay, I, on the eighth day, God created rock and roll. Okay, wonderful. How many other people had already said that prior to Kiss making this song? <laughs> anyway, but it's so fun. And then you've got, like, Dance All Over Your Face by Gene Simmons. And I, every time I hear this song, I go, Gene... What do you really want to do all over their faces? Because I know <laughs> it is not dancing, sir. And, and then, uh, and then, so I'm just, these are more just funny moments, but I have to point them out. So we talked about it already on uh, All Hell's Breaking Loose with Paul <laughs> Stanley, like, he looks me up and he looks me down. Who be this and who be that or whatever. And why are you going to talk like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he ends up by going, I am cool. I am the I am breeze. The breeze. <laughs> Haven't you heard? There's a new revolution. And I'm like, okay, okay. This is not a revolution, dudes, but okay. <laughs> Everything anyway, was a revolution to 80s metal bands. That, it was that just is a, true. That is yeah. true. You, you know what? I think that's what that's what the uh, the people in, uh, in America recently, they should have been doing. They should have shown up to the Capitol building and played All Hell's Breaking <laughs> Loose by Kiss. <laughs> 
and then just gone home and you would have made your point because it's a revolution. Anyway, so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get political there. And um, I'd probably have a lot more respect for them if they just turned up and played a bunch of Kiss songs and then fucked back off. That's, that's true. Like, but just, no, none of them are Kiss fans anymore because Paul Stanley talks shit about politics in his Twitter feed. So um, he's alienated some people. Anyway, on to, on to this album. One more, one more. My favorite, probably my favorite moment on the album, and it's once again uh, creepy Uncle Gene. Just like that part, I believe it's on Fits Like a Glove, where he goes, uh, when I go through you, it's just like a hot knife through butter. butter. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I'm trying to say, that he... He he straddles that line where sometimes his shit is so funny and other yeah. times it's like Gene, please stop, please. <laughs> but this I think that's for me, that's on the funnier side of things. Is, isn't and, there um, isn't there a anyway. song isn't there a song where he like wants to put his log in your fireplace or something? Uh, like, hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> what, is, what is the what song is that? I'm there trying is. to think. <laughs> I'm trying to think which one it is. <laughs> There's there's some Jeez. killer metaphors in Kiss songs, man. No subtlety at all. Oh man. <laughs> he also used to say that like in interviews, he'd be like, "Hey, she had an opening, and I had a stiff proposition." <laughs> That's so fucking good. Anyway, we're not really talking about um, "Lick It Up" anymore. <laughs> Lick, I think "Lick It Up's great. It's got some cool heavy rockers on it. It's got some fun songs on it. It's really a nice sort of stepping one foot into the 80s kiss sound because prior to this was creatures of the night which we are not going to talk about on this episode for me but um but it's just nice because it's still got some heavy shit but it it kind of gives you an idea of where you expect kiss to go and yeah. um i just i like it it's a fucking solid album my number f- for thir- 14 what number is this i don't know what number this is uh 13 yeah my number 13 is lick it up Cool. So my number 12 is Rock and Roll Over. Okay. All right. This is, we're getting, you're, we're, these are, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I feel okay. There's, <laughs> there, there's some, there are some wild card choices in my list, dude. This is, if, if, if you, if you couldn't gather from my expression, this is not in this episode for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm just going to jump straight in. Do so it. I want you awesome song. Got a big time, <laughs> like it's a big time. <laughs> when you said, I want you, I, I immediately thought you were going to say to want me. And I'm like, no, that's, that's cheap trick, sir. <laughs> oh man. I, I, it, this is an awesome song though. And it's kind of misleading too. So in the morning, I raise my head, and I'm thinking of days gone by, and the thing I want out of life is... I want you! I want you! I mean, that's a, that, is a, that is a great album opener, because it's yeah. just... Oh, God, it's good. Anyway, yeah, go ahead, sorry. It has... It, that song has a full-on heavy metal feel to it that yeah, that is yeah. that to me is a classic metal song um by 70s standards of course um take me again kiss doing that fun rock vibe these 70s records possess uh calling dr love hell yeah gene mm-hmm. fuck yeah ladies room more gene being a naughty little <laughs> demon um, yeah <laughs> um baby driver is this a bouncy offbeat 
driving rocker. Love them and leave them. This pounding rock and roller. Uh, Mr. Speed. Fun track, although Mr. Speed might translate to something a little premature, but <laughs> you you do you, Paul, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. Why would you want the ladies to call you Mr. Speed? <laughs> they want a, You want a man with a slow hand. Didn't you ever hear that song? <laughs> is that the... Uh, is that Conway Twitty? Fuck, I, I think... No, isn't isn't that a woman that sings that song? You want a man with a slow hand? Oh, was it? I don't know shit about country music, so I'm Uh, sorry, I don't know. I, I, I I mean, country artists have a tendency to do like you know, you'll get like ten to five different versions of the same song because someone wrote it and it was given to everybody. I guess, I guess that's true. Either way, slow hand—that's what the ladies want. They don't want Mister Speed, but okay. Yeah. Um, See you in your dreams. Is cheeky rocker. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. actually one we've covered because uh, Gene re-recorded it for a solo album, yep. um, with uh, famously with uh, Katie Segal on, on vocals, mm-hmm. um, or like backup vocals. Uh, Hard Luck Woman is is one of Peter Chris's oh, signature God. tunes. Um, I'm not going to start singing that song because I will sing every word to that. So that is like a karaoke song for me. I haven't yeah. done karaoke in many years. But like Hard Luck Woman is a, that song comes on and I just want to go to another room so I can yeah. loudly sing it to myself because I'm just like, I love that song. It's so good. Yeah. It, it's a nice change of pace too because a lot of the album, a lot of this album has some real rocking moments. And then you get, yeah. you know, Peter Chris coming out with this kind of Rod Stewart kind of voice. And it's a nice change of pace here and something a little softer uh, before... Mm-hmm before you get finally making love, which reminds me of Judas Priest a little bit, like the, the eighties, sorry, the seventies era of Judas Priest. It's except, it's, except for their song wouldn't be called making love. Although they did have yeah. some songs bordering on that, but yeah, yeah, it, it's, it, it does remind me of, um, it, I mean, theirs would probably be something like rocking hard or something. Oh um, God. Yes. Yeah. You nailed it there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> rocking hard. Oh, not long <laughs> but it's it's um it's one of their good time hard rockers but still keeping that kiss vibe heavily mm-hmm. present and as i said the albums that i love started pretty much with revenge and uh it just keeps going so uh this 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 to me is just a fucking party at this point so hell, uh hell yeah yeah so it might be controversial to some people to put rock and roll over that that far down, but just know, I love whatever is above it so much, you know. So that is um, that's my number. That's my number twelve. All right, now, man, we are we are moving along. You you're moving so fast that it that that I didn't get a chance to sing like half of those songs, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is I know I'm, what everybody's listening for. Th- this is your chance to do that entire rendition of Hard Luck Woman that you so desire to do. Oh God, I, do it! Such, I'm, I'm going to get to that album. Maybe I'll save that for the next episode because uh, Rock yeah. and Roll Over is not in this episode for me. But uh, moving on to my number twelve. Um, this this might be a an unpopular placing because I think it's probably kind of high for some people. Um, but I guess you haven't mentioned this album e- either at this point. Uh, my number 12 is the album Unmasked from hey. 1980. And this album really sounds like it's from 1980. Like that's the one thing I can say about Unmasked is it like... 
It's that it's got that weird step over from we're 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 still a little bit rocking. We're still shaking the disco off of us, but all the rock bands were writing pop songs, and yeah. and I think that Unmasked is like that. It's it's a it's a character of that era of the eighties. Um, which funny enough, it's called Unmasked. Oops, I'm gonna say that again. It was <laughs> called Unmasked, but they actually were not unmasked in this for this album. Yeah. Um, in the little comics, I, I like the album cover because it's a comic strip. But at the yeah. end of it, Kiss take off their masks and they just have their makeup on underneath the mask, so they fooled <laughs> you. You thought they were going to be unmasked, but they weren't. They were double masked, I guess. <laughs> um, anyway, so. Um, I don't think that this album as an album as a whole to me doesn't differ that much from dynasty. I feel like it's, it's got similar qualities to it. Um, it's just got a lot of kiss flirting with pop music uh, with with songs like Shandy, which, you know, I mean, it's, it's very catchy music. I mean, if you're, if you're okay with some pop songs, then this era of kiss is, uh, is for you. Because there's a lot of that, a lot of poppy elements to their music and less rockin' elements. Although there's still some rockin' elements. But um, I really do really, I, I enjoy this album. It's an album that I go back to a lot. Um, and I don't really know why. Because if, if somebody was going to say, hey, can you make me a, a, a 20-song mix of Kiss to get me into mix, I, uh, get me into Kiss, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would not put any song from this album i don't think <laughs> so <laughs> so it's odd that it's an album that i enjoy so much um and i can see why it was a failure at the time uh mostly because i don't feel like with what other rock bands were doing in 1980 i don't think it's unique enough it doesn't stand out enough it's not yeah bombastic in the 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 way that kiss had gained a lot of their following but i guess you know they were pushing things forward they were like hey we've We've already become, you know, the most popular band in America and in other countries as well. Um, why don't we try to, like, you know, push the push the envelope and see how far we can take this with writing, you know, hit songs? Um, so I don't fault them for that at all. But I do. When I listen to this album, um, music from the Elder makes sense about how they went there yeah. from this because, it, it, like I said, it's very similar to Dynasty. And in my opinion, not as good as Dynasty, but still very good. But um, I think this this is probably when Kiss was struggling. They started to really struggle with their fan base. And so instead of going back and doing it, that's the thing. I got to give them credit. Instead of following this album up with something like Creatures of the Night, going back to being really rocking, they went the completely other way and did a concept album that completely failed. Yeah. But <laughs> I love that they did that. I did just... It's a very bold move. Yeah, and so there's not a whole lot to talk about with Unmasked except for the fact that I just think it's a it's a real solid album of its time. Um, and there's a, there's a few standout tracks. I, I love Torpedo Girl. Um, yeah, but once again, you know, Ace Frehley gets on board with there's his a songwriting. Strong, there's a strong Ace presence on this album vocally. Uh, yeah, because he's on Talk to Me, uh, Two Sides of the Coin. I yeah. think that's it. And, and Torpedo Girl. Um, and those are all great songs, but I, but Torpedo Girl, just the, it's got an odd quality to it. And I think that that's why Ace Fraley is my favorite Kiss member, because a lot of times the songs that he would write, 
not just in Kiss, but even in his solo stuff occasionally, he would always end up writing riffs that aren't necessarily complicated, but they approach things in a way that you weren't necessarily expecting. Yeah. And I like that about him. And I feel a, a kinship with him because I think he's not a virtuoso. He's not an amazing guitar player. He kind of just has his vibe and he does his thing. And that's how I am as a guitar player. I have never wanted to be a a, a shredder or, a, or a, a guy that can solo all crazy. That's yeah. never been what I wanted. I wanted to like kind of have my own thing and have it come across in my, in my guitar playing without having to be flashy. And while I do think at times Ace, you know, could be flashy if you wanted to, but I, I, I really enjoy his kind of odd takes on rock riffs. And so anyway, that's, that's talking about tor- torpedo girl there, but, um, but yeah, this album ends up being my number 12 just because it's, I think it's really solid and, it, and I think it's aged well. Um, it's, it's, it does, it, it still sounds, it sounds dated, but in a really sort of, um, lovable way. So my number yeah. 12 is un- unmasked. It's really cool and unique because it feels like it doesn't necessarily belong to like either era. It's just kind yeah. of this, it's like, it, I don't want to say like an alternate universe, but it's like a transition point between it, their their late 70s and early 80s albums are really it's a really interesting era of the band because you yeah. know obviously Peter Chris and later Ace Frehley would would depart and you would get this weird alternate incarnation of the makeup era with you know instead of a cat and a spaceman they've got like uh, a fox and an Egyptian guy, but, like, <laughs> which is what's funny though, because you talk about Peter Chris, you know, because he's he's credited on Unmasked, but it's actually Anton Fig that plays the drums. But yeah. if any album sounded like an album that I think Peter Chris would want to make, it's Unmasked. It sounds yeah. like he should have <laughs> been the drummer on this album. Because if you listen to his solo album, yeah. this era of Kiss, it sounds like he would have been totally into it. But, you know, he had drug and alcohol issues, um, um, which is what I, I gathered was the big problem. There was also but, a car um, accident he was in, which injured oh, him. So he, he okay. was kind of out of commission as well on that kind of front. Okay. But, so, but, I mean, um, I guess that, yeah. that makes sense that they, they, you know, they include him in the artwork and listed him in the credits. But, um, it, uh, yeah, we, we talked about that last time, about how the, the falling apart of that version of the band really sucks. Uh, but um, it is what it is, so we 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 can move on. <laughs> cool. Uh, just just before we just before we do though, uh, you and I are both huge Ace Freely fans. You know, Ace yeah. is Ace is both of our favorite member of the band, and I took it upon myself. I thought one Ace solo album isn't enough. You know, I know he's I know he's done like Fraley's Comet and stuff like that, but I wanted like a Kiss style just Ace album. So yeah. I went on I went on Spotify and I'll I'll tell you the track listing just for just for a little bit of reference. I've got okay. sh- sh- and this is fully chronological. I might go and rearrange them and see how it see how that goes. And it, okay. but for listeners at home, if you just want an, an Ace Freely experience uh, that's not just a solo album, shock me. Rocket Ride, 2000 Man, Hard Times, Save Your Love, Talk to Me, Two Sides of the Coin, Torpedo Girl, Dark Light, Into the Void, You Wanted the Best. Yes. 
So that, oh, no, you, you no, not you wanted the best. It should have been uh, uh, into the void. Oh wait, yeah, no, I, you did do into the void. You wanted I, the is he? Did he? Does he? Just because he sings on, you wanted the best. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a nice way to cap it off. You know, he he does okay. sing on it, he, but um, yeah, That's, yeah, that it, is a nice ending. So so if you if we needed more examples of why you and I are a match made in heaven, I had already made that mix. <laughs> like 10 years ago. Nice. Like like there there was a period of time where I really reconnected with a lot of Kiss stuff. Um it's probably going on more than 10 years ago, but um it, it was around the time that that I had my first iPod. So hey. I don't know, this may have been like 2006 or 7 or something. But I ended up putting together that actual mix without um, without uh, 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 the last song you had on there, in yeah. that order, and I used to listen to that all the time. And I'd be like, "Here, I get another Ace Frehley solo album." So literally, we did we did exactly <laughs> the same thing. Isn't that adorable? It's like we gave each other the same Christmas present. <laughs> awesome. Um, what are we on now? We're on number eleven. Eleven. Yeah? Cool. So my number eleven <laughs> might shock you. It's 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 not it's not Love Gun, but I just yeah, I was going to say f- it better not shock me, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this it, it it might though, and okay, okay. I I actually thought it was going to be a lot higher, and I thought it would be in the next episode, but because it, I just love the ten above it so much, and even I'm kind of bummed that it's at this position. I had to go for Creatures of the Night. <laughs> oh, that hurts! It that, hurt me. It it, it I, I felt it. I felt yeah. it in my soul. And it just, hurt just me the, too. The, the the all of the all of the the love that we just had with each other with our Ace Frehley mixes. It's like <laughs> it's like something something. You know what? That isn't that life. Every every you, you rise to a high, and then then you have to get knocked down a peg or two. Anyway, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, clearly, I love creatures of the night. <laughs> so this is where the rock and metal news guy picks up on it, and he's like, "Gee, uh, god damn it, Steve has existential crisis during Frankton Ranked episode." <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about Creatures of the Night. So I see, honestly, though, I do like it when this happens because it gives us the opportunity to talk about these albums twice in two different episodes. So yeah. let's, uh, let's jump into Creatures of the Night from 1982. So yeah, Creatures of the Night, title track opens it. Nice. <gasps> this foray yeah. into a 80s metal direction. They, The thing is, like the, the interesting thing about like the the four albums in a row it's like they did a disco album they did a power pop album they did a prog album and then they just went full-on docking levels of 80s metal you know (laughs) yeah like what a jump what a what a career path you know it's there's a real zigzag here going style it it is a it is an entertaining discography which is yeah why this is so much fun yeah, Saint and Sinner, Good Time 80s Metal, Keep uh-huh. Me Coming. You know, this album really acts as a tradi- uh, transitional body of work because they still have the makeup, but they have that strong 80s metal sound at this point that they would continue for quite some time. Um, Rock and Roll Hell. Oh, co-written like, by? Co-written by? Brian I, Adams. I, oh, shit. 
Rock and Roll Hell? Yep. Damn. Like, oh, get me out of this Rock and Roll Hell. It's so fucking good. <laughs> it, yeah. that, could be, that could be a contender for my favorite song on the album, that, that one. It's a great da- song. Oh, Danger is this big, intense rocker. I love mm-hmm. it loud, you know. Anthem. So, so if you go, go yeah. back, if you go back a second for Danger, Danger totally gives me the vibes of the song that would play in a movie when we're gearing up for the final battle. Like the final yeah. battle isn't happening yet, but everyone's getting their guns together and stuff. Yeah, and it's like, just a montage and doing, of loading and stuff. Yeah, and, and doing up. some <laughs> doing lifting a few weights just to get yeah. themselves pumped up. And it's just it's like you're about to get to the climax. And it, I just it's it's just it's a cinematic sounding song. I love it. Yeah, it's 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 definitely any eighties metal song with danger in it has to go over <laughs> a montage. You know. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's so good. Um, I love it loud. Like I say, is yeah. is the anthem of the of the album. That yep. fucking thing is a sing along track perfected. Mm-hmm. Um, I still love you. Is this dark, oh, heavy yeah. ballad? You know, it, even as a ballad on the album, it's still got that dark, heavy uh, feel. I'll, I'll I'll say this again on the next episode too, but I, I it just because I I feel it so much. I still love you is to me one of the best breakup songs ever written and performed it is wow it sounds like it like that whenever you have a bad breakup this and you want the the woman back this song sounds like that it's got the desperation and the passion and at the same time it's almost like you know like when you're when you're when you're real sad you will make these outbursts that normally you wouldn't make yeah like you're overly dramatic and that's what I still love you sounds like to me. It is like it's I'm just like they Paul Stanley nailed it with this song. Yeah. For sure. I think you nailed it with the with the word desperation, you know. Yeah. That is exactly what you want from this type of song and they they nailed it. They got it right on the money. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah, it's it you get killer, this fun upbeat 80s driving rocker and mm-hmm. then I've been working on my I've been working on my gene recently and I've managed to get that going. You know? Oh man. It's it's really fun to do, but you, you end up really hoarse by the end of it. The other day I got to I got to work. I got to work and I'd blown out my voice on the way there and I was just like Hey, hey guys, how are you? How are you doing? Yeah, because I was just in the car blasting this song. Yeah, but, that, um, it's it sucks when you want a raspier voice than you have. Yeah, because I've all I've always wanted to have a super raspy voice. I've always been like, I want to sound like you know Peter Chris or Rod Stewart or somebody like that. Yeah, it. I've after a while, like if if I'm if I'm like you know cutting vocals for something and I do some warm ups and and because I'm not really a I'm not a trained singer by any means, but I have done like singing in bands and things you, like you've that you've got a great and so the, you you guys out there probably haven't heard a lot of his singing but i've heard a little bit of it and he's got quite a range on him like it's i've got range i just need to learn how to control it <laughs> it's still it's still pretty damn good like it's it's i, I would i wouldn't talk too much shit about you <laughs> yeah I've, I've got an ep in the works people it's 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 coming together it's coming together oh yeah but um yeah i always think of beavis and butthead when i hear war machine because there's a scene in it 
where I think they chainsaw off one of their fingers and they're like, you better watch out because I'm a war machine. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a great fucking album, you know, and and in the it is it it made the top half. It made the top half of of my of my list. But, you know, my list surprised even me because I thought that you know, it, I knew it was going to be difficult for me to, to have a list that made sense for me because I love 70s Kiss and I love 80s Kiss and it's almost like ranking two bands at the same time. Yeah, it is pretty difficult, but I mean, that that's, that is something that I found is that the, it really made me really have to pull be apart objective. the thing. Yeah, the things that I love about them alongside with how good are these really in the context of the music that was going on and the other music that Kiss did? It yeah. really does shine a light on the the ones that maybe you really enjoy but aren't quite as good. But I don't, sure. I don't, I don't agree with your ranking at all here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I surprised, I surprised myself. Believe me. So, but, um, um, so for yeah. my number <laughs> eleven. Um, I'm not moving very far away. I'm actually moving back one album. My number 11 is Dynasty from 1979. And it, 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 I guess it would make sense if you're listening to what I was saying prior, which was this is not that much different of an album from Unmasked. I just think it's a slightly better album. Now, you said this earlier, and it's another one of those things that gets stuck in my craw when people say it. Um, this is not a disco album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It has a disco song on it. Yeah, and it's a great song. It's, maybe, maybe two. As, as we found out <laughs> last time, it is the number one streamed Kiss song. I yeah. was made for loving you, which is really surprising. Is it? You know, you would think it would be. I'm gonna rock and roll all night. You, you know, know why? I, I'm willing to bet that that song would be number one if there wasn't half of the people going for the album version and half of the people going for the live version of Rock and Roll All Night. Yeah. So that's true. probably split in half, whereas everyone just goes for the Dynasty version of I Was Made for Loving You. Because that's I guess fair. I guess that's not on a live album, is it? I don't think it is. I I don't know. It might be on a live three, but I I don't know if they'd have had it in the set at that time. Mm, this is this that, is that's that seems a little bit out of character for nineteen ninety two Kiss. Yeah. Because they, they still did some eighties era songs on that tour, but I don't think they did I was made for loving you, but I might be wrong. I've been wrong oh. many times. Uh, the, here's Eddie's on the fly research. It is track eight on Look Alive at that. Three. And you know what? I admit my that I was incorrect, which is a quality <laughs> that so many people on the internet don't seem to have these days. Strangely, it's sandwiched between Domino and I Still Love You. Oh, man. I'm going to go back and listen to a live three again. It's been a while. Anyway, yeah, there, it looks like there's a killer set list on that one. Yeah. So yeah. jump, jumping back in dynasty. So, um, I, I guess you can make arguments for other songs having disco tinges to them. Um, yeah. But I was made it for loving you is the, I get it, So when everyone says disco album, I'm like, well, if it was a whole album of disco, I would probably yeah. look at it very differently than this, but it goes right into, 2000 Man, which is a, a, a Rolling Stones cover done by Ace Frehley, and it's a really good cover for me. And then, oh, yeah, honestly, no bullshit. My favorite song on this album is Sure Know Something, which is yeah. such a pop, it's just a full on pop song, but it is so well written. Like, some, like, like, that's the thing is that I love a good pop song if it's 
got a hook and it takes me on kind of a little journey and and isn't simplified enough to be stupid like like yeah. there's some even today there's music out there done in the weird overblown compressed auto-tuned world of pop music some of those songs i'll still hear them and go god this is a fucking good song yeah. and sure no something is is a song like that for me and um Really, I think this is another one of those albums that I think it, it's better than it gets credit for. And um, also, uh, Anton Fig plays drums on most of this album and does not Peter Chris on this album, except for, I believe, Dirty Livin' is the only song that Peter Chris plays drums on. And um, this is the beginning of the co-writer era of uh, Kiss. Um, yeah. Although I think half the songs are just by the band members themselves, but I think there's another half that they got some co-writers and, um, I, I understand that. Like, that's something I know I point that out a lot, but it's only because I like to give credit for bands when they write great songs on their own, but I also don't fault them for, for co-writing with other people if they create great songs. Yeah. So, um, I'm not, it's not, it's not really me talking shit. It's just me pointing out that there's, there's two different types of things where a band does something on their own or a band does something with help. And, um, really I just, this is just like unmasked where I really enjoy this album. I just feel like it's a little more cohesive. It's got, it seems a little more focused than unmasked. And even though it's got some songs, even save your love by Ace Frehley, the the backing vocals on that just like are too goofy for me. The the save <laughs> your love, save it, save it. <laughs> just like they couldn't come up with anything else to say there than just save it two more times. <laughs> anyway, but that those are just just nitpicking really. But um, hard times is a fucking killer Ace Frehley oh song. Oh my god, yeah, it could be could be my favorite. It, it's definitely one of my favorite Ace yeah. Frehleys. Yeah, it's just, I mean, there's something about Ace Fraley's delivery. It's almost like he was just a dude, he like rock and roll was in his blood and he didn't have to try very hard. They all feel like yeah. real, like he just had this song and he wrote it in five minutes and played it in another five minutes. And then that was the, <laughs> that was the thing. And it came out great. Um, I mean, That's I could be wrong. He could, he could be more laborious with his songs than we know, but it feels that way. It, that's something I love about seventies Kiss is the um, is the the versatility of each of the members because they all had very distinct vocal styles. Paul, you know, Paul is just your virtuoso, incredible, incredibly good frontman. Gene has that real raspy thing, and he's got killer range too. Mm -hmm. But he ge he genuinely he generally stays in this kind of like down here, yeah, kind yeah. of like pre-James Hetfield kind of thing. but uh, And then you get Peter Chris that has the nice raspy, but also really nice, um, more laid-back sound to his voice. And then you get Ace Frehley, who's just, like you said, is just this rock and roll dude who just, he didn't need training. He's just, he just has it in his blood. It's just yeah. in him. Yeah. And I, I, I honestly, when, now that you bring that up, it's it's so interesting the number of parallels that you can draw between Kiss and the Beatles, especially yeah. when you get to this point when all four members are singing songs and just the fact that they were also a massively popular group. I don't think Kiss hit the level the Beatles did. Um, maybe they did for, at, at a time, 
But um, I think I still, in the U.S. they had an incredible success yeah. in the U.S. And it's yeah. just the fact that they, I, 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 and I'm sure that was that was the plan. I have a feeling that they had Beatlesque dreams from day one, yeah. and it's great. I just I love that. I love bands where everybody sings. That's why you know that's another thing. Like the, the, to bring it into a modern day that's you know not really related. Um, Mastodon is a band that I love, and they they reached an era in their music where all of a sudden three out of the four members now sing. Yeah. And, and, and really, if you want to talk about like some vocal grunts and stuff, the other guitar player does a few things too, but I just love that. I don't know why I love variety. Like sometimes, you know, a, a one vocalist is good enough to carry everything, but I just love it when you have three people bringing these different colors into yeah. the music. And so once you get to, you know, love gun, um, unmasked and and dynasty um i just i love the fact that we got those those different takes because it just makes for a way more enjoyable album even though it may not be as good songwriting wise it's still got so much going for it so um, i love toto for the same reason they've got a shitload of other uh, singers in the band yeah yeah and so and so yeah so dynasty makes it here at uh number 11 on my list awesome so my number ten, mm-hmm. I've All gone. Right. I've no, gone. You, can, for, you can't. You can't surprise me anymore at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so my number ten, I've gone for probably their image-wise their most glammed-up era. Okay. So I'm, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you have a have a guess. guess um, are what, we are we talking about asylum? We are talking about asylum. Cool. They, the thing I, I just before I get into the music, I just want to mention the stylist for the band at the time was on some really good cocaine. <laughs> right? Who wasn't on some really good go cocaine at that point? But the like the stage get ups on this somehow I don't know how you top the fucking leopard print cat suit that Eric Carr wore on stage during the Animalized tour. But yet they managed to come up with this fusion of like royalty and exercise gear. <laughs> yep. And it's this glorious mixture of pomp and ceremony and 80s aerobics colors. And it is just visually, it's an extremely entertaining era to just watch the videos. And this like is you, 1985 when, when Jazzercise was at its peak in America. Oh, for <laughs> Probably sure. worldwide. Like, like, in all of, like, the Asylum videos, it, Paul Stanley is either wearing bright... Well, he's wearing both colors, but, like, different variations of it. Bright fluorescent pink and bright fluorescent lime green with a bunch of sparkly stuff on it, too. And I know it's superficial, but <laughs> it just speaks to my 80s cheese brain. And it's like, that's fucking brilliant. That yep. is amazing, you know? <laughs> so, um, but I, I will say the quality on Asylum is way higher than Animalize. And that's only like one album apart. And it could be to do with Bruce Kulick coming in. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they had a lineup change from Mark St. John on Animalize and then got Bruce Kulick. 
who is an incredible shredder. They both are. Yeah. But this album to me feels like the album Animalize could have been because this has pretty much the same sound but with way more memorable songs. Yeah, I think I really I think that's exactly what I said last time. So we're we're on yeah. the same boat. Only mine fell much lower in the list. You know, you get king of the mountain. This <laughs> just big epic 80s metal opener. Anyway, you slice it. It's just drag strip rocker with a tasty amount of reverbed yep. synth tom fills. Like love love that stuff. Who wants to be lonely? Notice how I'm singing every one. Who wants everyone. to be with you tonight? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> like See, in, it, that, in that case, I'm perfectly okay with the uh, whoa, whoa, whoa's there because it just, it feels right. Yeah, it, it, it's dark and mysterious yet fun and bright at the same time. Uh, Trial by Fire is, is mid-pace 80s rock. I'm Alive is just the speed metal track and a damn fun one. Uh, loves a deadly weapon some badass shredding going on on that one <laughs> oh, those tears, tears are falling, falling. <laughs> oh, we almost did a harmony there that was pretty good <laughs> that was badass <laughs> it, it's, it's you're welcome their, it's one of their 80s singles and i love it and it's such a unique song because it's not a ballad but it's not like an outright rocker either it kind of straddles that line between the two it's a it's um, a it's, it's a predecessor to hide your heart it's got a similar vibe yeah Secretly Cruel is, is, is like an upbeat 80s rocker. Uh, Radar for Love, stripper riff. And then yep. finally, oh, well, we work all day. It's <laughs> so uh, all night. So fucking fun. Yep. This is a really fun album. Um, and for that reason, it's like five places ahead of its predecessor. It, it they it's it feels like a response to what didn't work about the previous album. They just went in and fixed all of like the loose ends, and it came together on this one. Yeah. So um, yeah, I I, I I agree with all of that. It's a it's a great record. I feel like Kiss's albums at points kind of they do like two of a similar style, so that you know you've got Creatures of the Night and Lick It Up. Stylistically, they're very close. Uh, then you get uh, Animalize and Asylum, which are stylistically very close. Obviously, mm. cr- Crazy Nights is kind of the peak of that, and Haunt in the Shade is a response to that. And then Cra- Crazy Nights stands on its own. Yeah, Crazy <laughs> cr- Crazy Nights was just kind of a, a peak of their eighties output, yeah. like just with how eighties it sounds. Um, but yeah, Asylum is a kick-ass record, dude. And, Agreed. Uh, that's why it came in at number ten. Cool. So, uh, so I'm 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 moving back from the '80s for my number ten. Yeah, number ten. Um, and this was one I, th- I I feel probably how you felt with um, Creatures of the Night with this album because I thought that I might rank this album higher, but um, like like you said at this point we're just dealing with such great albums that it's it something has to get knocked down for some reason and so um my number 10 is hotter than hell from Damn. 1974 and really Eddie already talked about this and said all the things that I think need to be said the drum sound is awful i think overall the production's pretty weak on this but it's it's unfortunate because it's got so many great songs and it's like 
eight months after their debut album comes out, this one comes yeah. out. Like it was pretty fast. And like I said before, something being rushed doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Um, and and in this case, that's true. Um, I think this album isn't as good as its predecessor, but um, it is fucking strong. It's literally talking about yeah, you know, comparing you know an album that's a, a nine point five next to one that's a ten. It's just you know the it's 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 really small to me with these these albums going forward. Um, and honestly, uh, another big thing that knocks this one down is I think that got to choose is kind of a weak opener when it, when compared to any kiss album, like it's, it's a good song, but it's a weird, like, like it's almost mid tempo at the lower end of mid where it's almost slow. Like it's like you you put it on. You're like, is this on the right speed? Because it's like a dun 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 and just like, oh, maybe this is supposed to be faster. But um, it's a weird way to open an album. But once yeah. again, you 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 go right into Parasite, um, which which years later would be covered by Anthrax very well, I might add. Hey. Um, and then of course you got Hotter Than Hell and um, just a lot, so many great songs on this on this album. Um, there's a couple that I think feel a little bit unfinished. Like I almost feel like some of them, the strength of the riffs, like they were like, this is a good riff. And so, but they didn't really spend as much time as they needed to fleshing out the lyrics or the vocals. Um, it's like, you know, like, I, I like, I like watching you a lot, but the very first chorus, it, the lyrics are just like, you don't really know what to do. <laughs> just like that's not very <laughs> they didn't you didn't have to dig too deep for that for those lyrics <laughs> you don't really know what to do don't it, it, at times don't we all not really know what to do <laughs> anyway but um it's but this is classic kiss this is an album that it, it just has this classic status i really like the album cover too the weird sort of is it japanese kind of thing yeah. going on um Oh, I love the I love the cover. It's so weirdly cool. Yeah, it's very it's I, I feel like it's very different than what a lot of bands were doing in 74. I might be wrong, but it doesn't it sticks out to me as something unique. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I think this album, the, the big strength of this album is the fact that it has so many good songs that would still just remain in their set list. And as you said, there's good versions of these on Alive, um, which we're not ranking. But um and even and, and even then, from what we know about Alive, there's a whole lot of studio recording going on in that album anyway. So it's, yeah. like, it's like second studio recordings. But I really do think this album is great. It just feels like some of it was a little bit unfinished. Um, and that's me being very picky here. Because, uh, you know, I was Mr. You know, rushed doesn't, even, doesn't necessarily mean bad. But in this case, like those qualities are the things that drag this down further than other albums even though it's got some fucking classic bangers on it, but it had, it had to go somewhere. And so my number 10 is hotter than hell. Cool. So I, I guess I'm on my final pick of this episode. Yep. Cool. So my number nine kiss album is lick it up. All right. That's a nice, that's a nice way to, to end it here. Yeah. It, it's it, this album to me, 
you know, I, I, I do still feel dirty about putting creatures in the night so low, but uh, yeah. I feel I feel like this. <laughs> so you should, Eddie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you on that. Yeah, it's, it's, I just feel like this album feels a bit more confident than obviously the previous one because this one they know we can even take the makeup off now and just prove to people that you know we're a good band just beyond all of the stage get up and stuff yeah and you know they still you know they still had like you know they still dressed up because it was the 80s but not in their not what they were known for so it was a bold move on their part to you know remove the makeup and it like you said with the artwork um it's just them it's just them naturally being them with a, with a white background and and that in itself is cool because it's something you haven't seen from them yet so it's yeah. it's but the like exciter is like they they've shed the makeup but not the aggression they had on the previous album in fact they've kind of ramped it up you know it's like you said this is a really heavy album beyond the title track do you do you think that they knew that there was already a song called Exciter because it's that seems it that seems like a title that it, it that's not a word everybody uses so it's yeah. not something where I can go oh of course there's more than one song called Exciter because that's a word that's used a whole lot it's not yeah it, in my it, opinion there's even even though I I got some flack for talking some shit about Judas Priest uh, the Judas Priest song Exciter is way better than this song. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like it, there's a Judas Priest song. There's a band called Exciter that from too. around this time. You know, yeah. the late late eighties, early sorry, late seventies, early eighties, and it's kind of like a, a, an era in in metal where everybody was like Exciter, and then no one ever did it again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yeah, it not for the innocent sounds mean. Yeah. You know? Gene doing what he does best, you know, he's, I suppose in a way that proves, hey man, I'm still the demon, you know, I just, yeah. I, I'm no, I'm now amongst you, I'm, I look like one of you. I so. feel, I feel like he was the one member that the, the makeup removal really didn't take away from his overall vibe, <laughs> like he still, <laughs> he still seemed pretty yeah. menacing and, and there was still creepy Gene in full effect no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> which which brings me to lick it up in the yeah. video for lick it up he's still looking at you like i've got bad things planned for you yeah because <laughs> like... it, 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 it's so weird how like in the era of music videos even today the 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 norm is you're singing the song and you're keeping eye contact with the camera yeah. but some people keeping eye contact with the camera feels you're like you're being violated in some way and that's <laughs> i love the fact though that like during all this like he does this oh like, yeah thumb, <laughs> thumbs up yeah and but like he, I, does, I, he does do a thumbs up at some point yeah. i love that now that he was, <laughs> yeah it, it, there's a uh there's there's a gif it was like a meme i saw it on everything glam metal that's a hilarious facebook page go check yeah. that out um but there, there was a post on it and it said uh sleep paralysis but the demon at the end of your bed is gene simmons in the lick it up video and the <laughs> gif of it left me terrified because i was like i'd shit myself if i saw that at the end of my bed yeah you know <laughs> i always liked how in the in the like the video has a weird 
Is it supposed to be like a dystopian vibe going yeah. on in that video? Because I, I love at the end they're at some sort of party and they're yeah. all drinking like blue liquid or something <laughs> that's got steam coming off of it or something. It's yeah, like it's very Star Trek. Yeah, it's like they're walking down this like post-apocalyptic road dressed in, you know, your typical 80s glam metal gear, but with like a shitload of really attractive girls just climbing out of manholes and stuff like that in the ground, <laughs> you know? And, and, and it's like... Dude, I, love the, I love the yeah. phrase... I love the term manhole. I don't know yeah. why. It's just, <laughs> that's just one that, like, when they've... When whoever started using that first, I'm all like, let's think of a different one. <laughs> Maybe don't call it a manhole, because it's it seems weird. It's not an attractive word, is it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't make me think of a of a way to access the sewer. Well, I know it does give me. A, maybe that makes it's totally appropriate. You access the sewer through the manhole. All right, got it. Never mind. Still though, there's babes down there. <laughs> but we, yeah, there's babes in the manhole sometimes. It's to, it's a journey totally worth it. But it's uh, you, know, you know it's the, it's a very it's a very modern way to look at sexuality. Sometimes you're going to have chicks in your manhole. <laughs> Oh man, they they were ahead of their time with the whole pegging phenomenon. <laughs> they were one hundred percent. Oh man, you, you got young and wasted. It is another mean gene number. Vinnie mm-hmm. Vincent's guitar playing is phenomenal. Eighties shred goodness. Yeah, uh, that guy. That, so some people talk shit about Vinnie Vincent because he does. He 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 seems like he's kind of a one note. He's an amazing guitar player that does similar things a lot, but. I don't care. I still just love hearing it. Like he, yeah. he, some people are just so wild and crazy with their, with their solos and stuff that I just, I love, I don't know. I love what it brings to the song. And I think he was, a, he was an asset to the band at this point, songwriting yeah. wise as well. Like, even though he did look like a soccer mom, like he's, <laughs> he, 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 he's a badass talented dude. Can't take, yeah. can't take that away from him. Agreed. Um, he had the most like short-lived makeup as well, didn't he? Because he was like, he had that like wizard thing for like a few gigs between Creatures of the Night and Lick It Up, which was like a year. Oh yeah, I don't even know. Yeah. Have I? I don't even know if. Okay, no, I remember what his makeup looked like now. Okay, yeah, yeah it, it like was a, probably the short gold cross thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably the shortest lived of anybody's makeup because the only other one was was Eric Carr and Eric Carr. Eric Carr was the fox, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he had that going for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Um, but yeah, it, it's something that um, makes me wonder, like, if Mark St. John or Bruce Kulick, because I think they're the only two to not have ever had, like, makeup in the band. Like, I, I, think, I think I so, yeah. I think someone theorized one of them would have been a dog. And like, it's <laughs> strange. I think someone out there has taken it upon themselves to design their own like solo album painting, like like the Kiss solo albums from '78. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, alternate reality stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where was I? I was at Gimme More is upbeat speed rock at its finest. All hell's breaking loose. They, here we go. Like the, it's like it, it's like almost rappy, but it also just feels like Paul Stanley incorporating his stage banter into his songwriting. Yeah, which is which is cool. It's a nice change of pace because I don't think he's done it before or since, with like the notable exception of "God Gave Rock and Roll to You," like 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 the rant 
in that one. I mean, there there may be others, but none come to mind right now. But this yeah. is pr- this is probably my favorite of the of the of the Paul rants. <laughs> Speaking of rants in songs, I love the one in "You Can't Bring Me Down" oh, by Suicidal Tendencies. That, that that's one of my favorites ever. Just for just the the um, I'd rather feel like shit than be shit full, than be of, full shit. of shit. Yeah, that's, yeah, I love that so much. You're offended? Well, maybe you need to be offended. Oh, well, here's my thing. apology and one last thing. <laughs> Fuck, Fuck you. you. <laughs> Man, we're going to get to suicidal at some point. That's going to be awesome. But yeah, it, um, where am I? A, a, a million to one. I love dark, mysterious, heavy 80s metal and this nails it. Mm-hmm. Fits like a glove. Fuck yeah, this album rules. I can definitely break the speed limit to that one. Yeah. Um, Dance all over your face. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, very gene heavy, and I like that. There's some real heavy bangers here, but you know, subtlety is something Kiss do not partake in. Uh, and on <laughs> and on the eighth day is a badass way to end a badass album. It's just eighties metal done in a fuck yeah way (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the good way to put it just put that put that on the description look it up 80s metal done in a fuck yeah way yeah but yeah that's that's my that's my top pick for the middle portion of our discography ranking of kiss cool so let's let's wrap it up with my number nine and wrap it up wrap it up up or lick it up or do whatever you want to do with it do it um (laughs) we are going to wrap it up um, my, uh, my number nine, um, this, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll stop saying this now, but like all these albums I love. And so they had to go somewhere. Um, my number nine is revenge from 1992. Oh yeah. And I think originally I, I thought that this album would be down lower, but like, it's got so many strong qualities to it that yeah. I am not able to deny it is to me. It's the last great Kiss album. It, it ends here for me. Yeah. Um, like we talked about the ones following in the last episode. And um, even though some of those have things about them that I think are, are you know, fine or good at, at times, um, Revenge is the, it's to me is the end. And um, it's a killer end in my opinion. It's just got such great, the production is great. Like I said, the band sounds tight. The what? Whoever it is who produced this album, let me look at really quick. So this was uh, this was Bob Ezrin. Oh, okay. So Bob Ezrin from the old school Kiss days came back and um, and uh, did them proudly. I guess if that's the term you use. Um, but because it's the it just sounds it's the perfect in between of the early '90s where things were starting to get a little bit more focused and stripped down, but it still has a big sound to it. Yeah. So it's, it's. I mean, I guess it sounds like 1992 albums because it's. Some, a, it somehow varies from song to song, like sound wise, but also feels incredibly consistent. Like yeah. Domino, Domino feels really dry. Yeah, uh, but I think same, I think maybe that's a credit to Bob Ezrin because I yeah. do think that if you go back to like, well, next episode clearly we'll talk about Destroyer, but that has a similar thing where one song to the next it could have a very different kind of vibe with production or with just the different instrumentation. And in this case, it's just different mixing styles, I guess. Yeah. But, um, there's so many great songs on here. And for the most part, it's a pretty heavy album. And honestly, it's, 
you know, if you're looking at the, the albums that we talked about, like this is the best Kiss album for me since uh, Creatures of the Night. Like I think that this is, like you said, it is a, a full circle coming back um, to wrap things up in a really nice, heavy Kiss kind of way. Yeah. And um, it's just... It's just thoroughly enjoyable. Unholy, uh, Domino, I, I Just Wanna, like all these songs that I still love today and I think are just real standout tracks. It's kind of like a, it, it's like a glam sandwich with. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, new, okay, okay, so now here's your task. So now whenever you do make a glam album, it's got to be called Glam Sandwich, only in the middle of the bread, have some sequins, sequined yeah. uh, <laughs> flowy robes and stuff in the middle of the bread, and it'll just be called Glam Sandwich. I love it. I love that so much. Why hasn't somebody done that? Because oh, they're not geniuses like us. That's true. That is true. <laughs> See... Um, anyway, so I don't really have a lot more to add because we talked about this album already. It's, I think it is really strong. It is, yeah. especially when you're talking about the early 90s when a lot of bands, I know, I know Kiss wasn't an, an 80s band, but they had an 80s vibe going on. And a lot of those 80s rock bands in the early 90s, they all seemed like they were trying to figure out where they wanted to go. And some of those bands did albums that were really good and other ones did albums that were just kind of whatever and you could tell that they their day might might be done soon. But with the with the exception of Kiss, like Kiss is a band that at this point had made it through so much shit starting in the mid 70s and making it through disco, making it through I guess, you know, I don't know, new wave type era of stuff and then the hair metal era and then coming out on the other end Still showing that, you know, sure, there's some co-writers on this album, but this is a case where it's just fucking tons of killer songs. And like I said, even the ones that aren't quite as well written, the overall vibe of this album carries it no matter what. It is it is such an enjoyable album, and so um, it had to be higher up. So it ends up being the number one of the middle of our kiss ranking. And I don't have a lot more to add. Kiss revenge is a great record. If you just like driving rock tunes, I think revenge has something on it for you. Yeah. So cool. there we go. There we go. That was our, that's our, our middle section of, uh, of the kiss ranking. I can't believe we're already at this point. It's just, if I've been having too much fun, I think. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I can't, can't wait for the next episode because that's just going to be a an all round, like love fest nerd out. Yeah, like, ugh, I'm looking. I'm looking at my top picks and I'm thinking, <laughs> I I I stand by my top eight. But um, yeah, I stand by my top eight. Yeah. My top my top eight was kind of rough for me because, like I said, the margin between the the albums gets so small. That yeah. You have to start picking at the smallest of things to go, all right, all right, fine. I'm going to make this a negative and then place this album here. Um, and then, so it's just, it's interesting, but we're not there yet. You guys are going to have to wait for another week uh, to get the the top, our top eight. There we go, top eight um, of the KISS ranking. So um, thanks for sticking with us. If you're If you lasted this long, um, I never know, I never know who listens all the way through to the end. Um, so if you did listen this long and you're on YouTube in the comment section below, um, type peanut butter platypus. 
<laughs> and then we'll know that you're one of the one of the special ones that made it this far. Um, but uh, even if you didn't, um, I'm thanking you anyway, even though you can't hear it. Uh, before we wrap it up, Eddie, do you have anything to add? Uh. When it came to ranking the albums, especially these like the middle and top of the list, I pretty much went solely off of memorability at that point because I've I decided like a third of the way into the list that I just love everything, you know, and and I was just like, I'm gonna have to figure out some way to decide which ones I prefer, and I think I I went for which tunes are more memorable in the end. That's how I've kind of done it. Yeah. But um yeah. So so we so I mean if we're if we're using the the Star Wars analogy here um we we've currently been talking about um uh the Force Awakens era of Star Wars movies. <laughs> 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 and the next time we're going to get to the original trilogy cuz uh, yeah. if um although that god said so now that now that that's been mentioned i'm like it's so true because you 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 have something like empire strikes back and then you have return of the jedi which is yeah. which still has its really great moments but also has some cheese ball moments like many kiss <laughs> albums do so how many like main star wars albums are sorry star wars albums yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh because there's nine, aren't there? Nine main ones with some spin-off ones here and there. Because I would say, like, you've got like th- three albums per movie, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and like, let's. I'll work it out. I'll work it out off the podcast. Because you know, I, I might be marginally good at maths, but <laughs> it wasn't my strongest. <laughs> That'll subject. be your your homework assignment for the next episode. Come up yeah. with your Star Wars. timeline along with the kiss albums (laughs) but um this is where i this is where i crack like a massive code if you listen to all the albums in a certain order and watch all of the star wars movies it unlocks a portal dude dude like one of those dude if you start (laughs) if you start the phantom menace right after paul stanley goes (laughs) they sync up exactly man Anyway, <laughs> so oh, that's going to be awesome. On that note, <laughs> um, we're going to bid you adieu. And um, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you uh, next time for the final installment of the Kiss album ranking. Um, I am Steven Oldhead. I'm Eddie Sparks with me. We, we both thank you so much for uh, joining us. I'm, th- I'm just going to speak for you. You're thanking them. That's cool. I'm I'm okay with that. I'm so I I almost feel like I if we ever got to a point where we were making a lot of money doing this kind of podcast, I would hire somebody to do the intros and the outros. So I can just be like, <laughs> take it away, Don Pardo. And then like you know, <laughs> no. and then somebody comes in, thanks, Stephen. That's this you have been listening to. You know, it's brought to you by Riceroni. Anyway. So once again, thank you for listening to Cranked and Ranked. We will see you next time. Eddie, take us out. Let's